This is Weekly Woman by Jubilance for PMS. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Woman. It's Alice Cash, and I am so excited to have a special guest on later in the podcast. Her name is Alana Lantry, so you'll be hearing from her about development as well as her favorite film, which is Mamma Mia. And consequently, I had to talk to my sister and partner in crime about how much Mamma Mia has shaped us as human beings. But she would argue that Mamma Mia 2 is the better film, but I would have to say the original Mamma Mia is where it's at. Gretchen, take it away. I mean, I just want to cut in right here and just say that I don't think it's the better film. I think it is the best sequel ever made. And I think that because of casting. I mean, look at young Christine Berinsky. And that's my whole argument right there. She is Christine Berinsky. I don't know where they found her, but perfect casting. Also, such a fun movie. Obsessed with the songs. Do I break out into song all the time? Yes. I just don't understand why the young Christine Baranski and the young other friend, Julie Walters, why are Rosie and Tanya, why are the young ones, why do they have the same hair as the older ones? Like, I would hope that my hair is different in like 50 years. Oh, definitely for Rosie. I would also hope that because not a good choice actually i mean she looks okay but she's I, cute i think she's really cute yeah i definitely would want a different hair choice when i'm younger especially like i have always operated on the fact that like you can only have long hair when you're young because when you get old it just kind of looks weird and you t- sort of turn into a hippie um and i so, think that would be kind of fun yeah like, all the gray hair and you just like it like moves in a wave well i feel like that's more of a donna move it's not a rosie and tanya move you know yeah but mama mia is so much better than mama mia too because donna is in it the whole time that yeah that's but i guess you could say mama mia too is really good because of share and who doesn't love share yeah exactly also in mama mia too we get to travel around europe and see the sights which honestly we can't do right now so it's a great way to like get out and travel virtually as we do everything right now that's true i love waterloo and it takes place in paris and it's just everything i ever want oh it's a dream it is a dream well thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about sequels gretchen anytime and i can't wait to welcome our guest today alana lantry welcome From San Diego to the cold winters of Michigan, and then to New York City, where she lives in an amazing Brooklyn townhouse now, Alana has circulated all over the U.S. to pursue her love of theater admin. Currently in development in the New York office of a prominent London theater company, she's still working during COVID to find funding for the arts. Last year, she ran the New York Marathon, her first marathon in record time, and she loves all things Mamma Mia, National Treasure, The Bachelor, and Pug-related. Welcome, Alana Landry! Thank you! <laughs> okay, so we start off this podcast with some, like, weird questions. Can you tell me about your love for Nicolas Cage? Uh, all of his movies are, like, pretty atrocious. Uh, like, my favorite is, is National Treasure, and it's like if you took an eighth grader after just finishing U.S. history and had them write the plot to a movie, and then Disney was like, totally, this is a perfect pitch, let's do it. <laughs> Ignoring all of the plot holes and all of the inconsistencies, and then they cast Nicolas Cage in it, and like, I just love that he said yes to that. 
<laughs> I love that movie so much. I don't think it's like an eighth grade film. It's like, that's our American history right there, Alana. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely 100% true. There is a bunch of treasure in lower Manhattan underneath the subway. <laughs> I did definitely try and convince my French friends that it was the true story, and they, did, they didn't buy it. No. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you would never get that from us. Obviously, we wouldn't give it to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's like the real thing. <laughs> um, what is your favorite snack? My favorite snack, I think, is peanut M&M's. Hmm, that sounds delicious. It's like a protein and a, and a chocolate. Yeah, that sounds sports. great. That's how I feel about bubble tea. It's like a drink and a snack at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta have the dual <laughs> snack. You do, you do. Yeah. We, gotta, we gotta spread our net wide. <laughs> <laughs> okay, talk to me about your love of The Bachelor. So I... I mean, I love The Bachelor just because it's great. It's just like, it's wonderful television. It's, it's, you know, it's Monday night, or I guess now it's Tuesday nights. I know, it's so weird. How dare Tuesday they? Tuesday nights. But it's just like, it's, why, like, I, it's just like, one, it shouldn't exist anymore, but two, I love that it does. <laughs> it's just so incredible. Like, why do we have this still, but we need it? You know, like. <laughs> I need it right now during COVID. That's what I need. <laughs> what we need is Tasha. What we don't need is Claire. I feel strongly about that. Claire was bad for the world. Um, and they realized that and went, mm-mm, you good. And then they gave us Tasha, And Tasha is like, she gives everybody a chance. She wants to hear everybody's story, you know? And she she loves everybody equally. Like, she looks the good ones the best. But, like, she's still going to hear and listen to everybody. And I feel like that's, like, that's what 2020 needs. That's so if true. everybody is shot. <laughs> Although, I, I really hope Claire and Dale make it. I'm just like... Please, we need this love story to last. Like, if, to, if, if this bombs, then 2020 is like, where's the success story there? I need that fairy tale. There's no, yeah, yeah, we do need, we do need them to at least, to at least make it like a year. You know, like, give a, like a year I will count as a success. I want them to last two years so she can keep that ring. Oh my God, um, it's huge. It's, it's, it's so incredible. big. Yeah, it's like the size of like her entire first knuckle. I would be so scared to wear that like outside in the world. It's gotta be insured. I would like cut off someone's finger for that. <laughs> like here, give me a finger. <laughs> I mean like she must have it like low jacked. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh man. Okay, so you're in the theater world. Um, tell me about your favorite play scene. So like this is a really hard question because I feel like there are just so many different types, you know? So like if I'm going for like a bad like musical just to like have a good time, I think it's a hundred percent a share show. Um <laughs> like Stephanie J. Block worked hard on that show and she was great, but the rest of it was pretty pretty poor, but like a great time. And then if you're going for like a musical that is like actually good, I would say Hades Town. Um Sorry, there's a dog in the background. Um, we're surrounded by pugs. Um, Hades Town, and then like I think my play, like this is kind of gonna sound trite, but I think my favorite play is Angels in America. Like I have a hard time recommending it because it's a solid six hours long. Um, but it's like it's a classic and it's so good and it like makes you want to change the world. You know, it really does. After you see it, you're like, yeah. I can do anything. You're like, Reagan is the worst, and I want to fix everything. 
<laughs> okay, and speaking of like bad musicals, you love Mamma Mia. I do, I do love Mamma Mia. I love Mamma Mia a lot. Um, I think it's some of Meryl Streep's finest work. Uh, <laughs> I really do. Um, I think like Mamma Mia is just like, it's just so much fun. You take Amanda Seyfried and a lot of bad singing and classic Swedish pop tunes and you put them <laughs> on a beach in Greece where like, Abba's not even from Greece. They're they're from Sweden, and it doesn't make any sense, but it's so good. It's so fun. <laughs> and everybody um, ends up happy. She gets three dads. She yeah. wanted one. She gets three. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. Who doesn't want it? <laughs> and it just looks so beautiful. I want to go to that island. It's like, I think Greece is, is, my, is on the top of my list for when we can tra travel again safely. <sighs> post-COVID. I've never been to Greece and I really, really want to go. You should and recreate all of Mamma Mia. I really want to. I think it's, it, I'm, I mean, I definitely have to at least get on a sailboat and sing with my three dads and go <laughs> snorkeling. Like minimum. Minimum. Perfect. Handmade guitar. They'll serenade me. I'll paint a portrait. It'll be great. It'll be great. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So we've got to stop and talk about our sponsor, Gbulance for PMS. It's a daily supplement that helps you be you. Gbulance is an over-the-counter nutritional supplement shown in clinical trials to relieve the emotional symptoms of PMS. That means less stress, anxiety, and more of getting back to your life. You deserve to be your best self all month long. And thanks to modern science, PMS is now optional. It's the first and only product for emotional PMS backed by real science with double-blind, placebo-controlled, peer-reviewed studies. And it works. I work for Jubilance because I'm here to help women, and this is the real deal. Jubilance isn't just a product. It's a global mission to make PMS mood swings a thing of the past. The Jubilance Sisterhood is a movement of thousands of strong women escaping the PMS struggle with science, sharing, and communal support. We're here for you each week with stories of amazing women, your weekly playlist on Spotify, and for you to dish and cry about periods on our Facebook group. So why not give Jubilance a try? Go to www.jubilance.com to learn more. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about how you got into theater? Um, yeah. So when you're in theater admin and you went from stage management into admin, can you talk a little bit about your journey? I got into theater kind of as an accident. Um, I was in high school and freaking out about college apps and I decided that I needed more extracurriculars to get into a good college. And so I started on like technical theater running crew uh, and I just like really loved it. And so I stage managed in high school and I went to the University of Michigan um, and got a BFA in stage management. And kind of while I was there, I was able to take classes in producing and company management, general management and really get an overarching education and not just theater and the technical aspects of it, but really a full education. And I found that um, stage management, well, I think it's a lot of fun and it's a really big adrenaline rush. And whenever you're calling a show, like I, I, I do miss that, but I don't miss freelancing. <laughs> so um, one of the reasons that I really love theater admin is that I work year round. Um, I work for one theater. I don't have to bounce around and, um, and I get to kind of see an over arc of a season. Whereas if I were stage managing, I would kind of just be kind of be all over the place. Um, but I really like to be able to kind of see holistically. And I love the aspects of theater admin that are more kind of budget crunching and numbers and contracts. 
versus stage management, which is really implementing all of the all of the technical elements. So it's they're both kind of the same skill set, but one is taking more of a legal and numbers approach to kind of making the place run versus making making the play happen. Yay! That's yeah. so they're both so important and both jobs I never want to have. <laughs> Yeah, totally different. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, though. Um, and what exactly do you do in development? So you're in charge of like the overall numbers. Can you talk a little bit about what it is? So development is um, fundraising. Um, and so we are in charge of raising money that does not come from ticket sales. Um, so we are taking uh, philanthropic contributions. So my job in particular is that I am in charge of planned or legacy giving, um, which is getting uh, donors to leave bequests in their wills um, so that when they do <laughs> pass on, um, they, they end up leaving portions of their estate to us, which is a really um, important wow. and kind of overlooked aspect of fundraising because it's, it can be a huge revenue stream and something that really does make, um, you know, like make theater happen. And um, that's one of the reasons that I really do love, love fundraising is that without fundraising for any sort of nonprofit, it, it just wouldn't exist. It's, it's kind of what's behind the scenes making it run. Um, and often when you see anything that's named, um, so like if you're seeing, like if you're taking Mojo Playhouse, for example, like the Mood Skidetsky Lab that is named in a bequest, I'm pretty sure. Um, and that's, that's often how naming rights happen is that I will give you a million dollars and you will name this after me. And then I will kind of live on through this nonprofit. Um, and it's a great way to kind of make a donor feel like they have a lasting impact and that they're, they're important and that they mean something because they do. Um, and also ensuring the vibrancy and the health of, of theater moving forward. Wow. That's really interesting. How, how do you go about talking to people? and we can cut this if this is too much, but how do you go about asking people to put you in their will? It's, um, it's, a, so it's, it kind of depends on the, on the type of donor. Um, planned gifts are really, really popular kind of, uh, uh, on the donor that is somebody who doesn't make a lot of money, um, but is really, really passionate about your organization so somebody who's like a lower level member or who travels to in my case to london maybe once every five years or they studied abroad there back when they were in their 20s and they just and they go and see our shows either in new york or in the cinemas and they've just got this really lasting connection to to the to the institution um and so they feel that even though they don't have the the capacity right now to give, say because it's a pandemic or just because they're not exorbitantly wealthy, but they do have a nest egg. So they're afraid to kind of to part with that right now, but they know that once they're not here, it doesn't, you know, they don't have children or they don't have a spouse. Um, and so it's it's more of a conversation of, you know, where do you think, what do you envision for theater in the next 15 years or the next 20 years or the next 35 years? Um, and how can we help you accomplish that? Um, so you're not necessarily saying you're not going to be here in the next 15 years, but you're saying, uh, you know, the kids will be, and how yeah. can we, how can we ensure that they get the same experience that you got? So, 
Wow. It's a lot of testimonials from other legacy donors. And it's also, um, it's also kind of just pulling on heartstrings a little bit. So I don't, I'm, I would never go up to someone and use the words death or dying. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I do invoke that sense. Wow. Yeah. That's really interesting. I feel like I have some like Catholic guilt that I need to like share and spread. <laughs> that's, um, wow, that's really interesting. Um, and let's move on to a different topic. Um, you, you ran the New York City Marathon last year, which is amazing. You were training for over a year and ran like a number of different um, runs, like I don't know what that's called. Marathons? Like not marathons. Training ones? Training ones. Or races? Races. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but uh, it's amazing that you, you went for it with the marathon, and that was your first marathon ever. Can you talk about that experience? Yeah. So I decided to run it because uh, when I moved to New York in, oh, God, like 2016, I think, I kind of moved there without a plan. I bought a one-way ticket, and I was subletting for a few months, and I just kind of was like, this is where I want to be. Um, and it just so happened that I touched down, and then the very next day, I decided to go to Central Park, and the New York City Marathon was happening. Um, and I went, I want to do that. Uh, that looks like a lot of fun, and like, how incredible. And um, I did a program called nine plus one with the organization that runs the marathon, where if you run nine races and volunteer once the year prior, you get to do it. Uh, it doesn't matter your time or anything. And so that's what I did. And I spent a good long time training for that. And it was, uh, I want to do it like every year from now on. It was so much fun. Highly recommend. Uh, it's just like the whole city comes out for for this race and you go you run through every single borough and there's cheers and crowds everywhere and everyone's got signs it's like a giant block party across all of New York City and you end in Central Park which is just like so perfect oh it was amazing and just being able to follow you around last year and see where you were and she like beat her time <laughs> which was amazing like by a lot <laughs> yeah uh yeah, it was a, I, I kind of, I thought I was going to go really slow and kind of like soak it all in, but the adrenaline gets to you and just kind of sprint it. <laughs> um, but it was, it was so, so fun. Um, yeah, it was just like, it was incredible. I loved it. Loved every second of it. <laughs> That's amazing. My whole family came out and it was, it was so much fun. Yeah. And just like getting to celebrate afterwards and like seeing everyone cheering you on. Oh, it's just amazing. Yeah. You'll have to pick it up next year when we're next like, year around and able to do things <laughs> i was kind of sad earlier this year because they um they're just like keep kind of continually canceling their like various races that they have and one of them um i was signed up for it's the new york city half marathon so you start at at prospect park which is like right near my house and then you end in central park but you run through times square what? Which is super cool because then they like close down Times Square for you, and it's like, when does that ever happen? Never. And Laura, my sister turned to me and she goes, "You know, you can just do that now because the city's empty. You just run through Times Square, like just go for that." And I'm like, "Oh my God, you're right. I totally." So I'm gonna do it myself. You should do <laughs> it myself. Yeah, that is so cool. Wow. Yeah, because there is no one there. <laughs> There's no one there. It's crazy empty. Yeah. I was actually just reading an article in the Times this morning that was asking, like, should Midtown convert 
like the empty offices into residential places because there's literally no one. Um, and like, I was also reading about like the back taxes of like real estate in the area. Like, I guess Valentino hasn't paid like $1.5 million, which is what they pay every month for their spot on Fifth Avenue. Like what? That's insane. Like something has to be done with New York and or else people aren't going to come back. No, I was there um, pretty much through the entire pandemic. And when uh, I would, like the way that I would see my friends is we would like run together. And uh, the route that we would go on, like through neighborhoods in Brooklyn, like whenever we were doing it on a Saturday, it was just covered in just like leftover stuff from people moving. It was like a mass exodus. It was crazy. That's if you wanted free stuff, then was the time. But you get free it's stuff. Like, I did not get on free stuff. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that part when Columbia moves, because that's where I live, near Columbia, when they all move out, and you're like, yes, this printer that I've needed. Ooh, this oh chair. God, yeah. It's great. They're all rich kids. I'm like, this is, oh I am living my best time. <laughs> I was like running through Park Slope, and I was like, if I had kids, this would be great. I could steal so many fancy, not, well, take, not steal, because they're free, um, <laughs> but take so many fancy strollers and stuff. No, but I got like a lot of like end tables and things. Ooh, I didn't want to take anything nice. cloth, because that still makes yeah. me nervous, but anything I could clean, I was like, totally. Yeah. I got like my dining table for free in the East Village like a couple years really? ago. It was just like in the trash and I just like left it in my backyard for a couple days and like sprayed it down with Lysol. But How did I you get it all the way up there? Did you like I get it in the taxi? There we go. <laughs> like just carrying a big table. Yeah, on the hey, it's <laughs> <use> my table. <laughs> but it was free. <laughs> I think it's the best. I love that yeah. about the city. I know, it's great. <laughs> Constant garage sale, but free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and something that we always ask on this podcast is, what is your definition of womanhood? I think my definition of womanhood is, is uh, like a person that kind of takes on the world. You know, like we are expected to just do everything. And I feel like that is, can be, one overwhelming but like we do it well you know like women do like women run the world even if it's like behind the scenes like you've got Kamala Harris you know being Joe Biden's number two but like we're still there we're represented and we're, we're running the world I think that's awesome yes you are running the world too <laughs> keep it up <laughs> and if you could give advice to like just a random lady on the street and you just had like a sentence to give her what would you say I think I would say to take every chance I feel like every job that I have had so far in my life that has been worthwhile has happened by like some crazy connection or some weird fluke that just where it just kind of appears and I've never been upset that I took it. And so I think it's just take every opportunity that lands in, lands in front of you if you can. That's amazing. Thank you, Alana. Yeah. Take every chance. We should all be doing take that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and is there anything else you'd like to add to our listeners today? Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't think so. I think that's, I think that's all for me. Thank you so much for being on.